today begins our yearly Christmas series, which is entitled Emmanuel, God with us. And we do this every year. And if you're familiar with the traditional Christmas calendar at all, that this is the season of Advent. And maybe some of you have already been following Advent. It started a little earlier than normal this year. Um, but if you're following it, you know that this is the Advent season. And the Advent season is, is this, this time that we take to set aside our hearts and keep ourselves continually attuned to the presence of Jesus as we, as we walk out this crazy Christmas season. And it's a time for us to intentionally slow down, to recall and to rejoice in the story of Jesus coming into being. When peace and hope and love took on flesh and bone, and we call this reality of Jesus coming in the flesh, the incarnation, the union of the divine, the union of God in the human form in Jesus. And in John 1.1, in John 1.14, John 1.18, Scripture tells us this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made Him known. And Colossians 2.9 tells us this, For in Christ... All of the fullness of the deity, all of the fullness of God dwells and lives in bodily form. So this is my yearly Christmas message that I'm going to share with you this morning. And if you've heard it before, Christmas is the time of reruns. Don't lie to me. You're all sitting there watching the same movies over and over and over going, this is phenomenal, trapped in paradise. Um, and, and so we're, there's, I have this passion uh, of, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not smart enough to create multiple messages for these holidays. So I have one Christmas message. I have one Easter message. And so, uh, if I don't get them mixed up, I keep us all fairly on track. So this morning, this is a Christmas message that I'm passionate about. Uh, all kidding aside, there's a reason I don't just teach it over and over and over because I can't come up with something new. I teach it over and over and over again, because over the years, I feel like we've come to a place where we need this as we walk into these next few weeks, we need to hear this from a scriptural perspective, from heaven's perspective. What is happening and what has happened and what is this story that we are a part of? And so it's a joy for me to be able to begin our series uh, on Christmas by sharing this message with you where we celebrate a child who was born of a virgin, fully human, fully God, and then entering into our story to rewrite our story. And so what we're looking at this morning is what Paul talks about in 2 Timothy. He says this, He, being Jesus, has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of the Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life, eternal life, to light through this good news. This has been since the beginning of time, but has now been revealed in the person of Jesus, the coming of Jesus as a baby, as God in the flesh, to change the story and to enter into our story. Our heart's deepest longings, the things that God created in us, was to have this desire to be one with God, to be connected to with God, to be known with God, and to be known by God, and to have this relationship in a way that transcends the normal and brings us into a place of not only discovering who God is, but also discovering who we are. And that's why we talk all the time about what does it look like for you to be fully alive in Jesus, because we believe it's written into each one of our DNAs, to be pulled toward the reality that says, who are you? Who has God created you to be? And the way that we discover that is not by intense self-reflection. It's not by, by grinding out growth and all of those mindsets. It is by knowing Jesus. And in knowing Jesus, we discover who our Father is. And that's the reality of what he has made, even in the promise and the truth of his very coming into being on this earth. That answer to our heart's longing was written into his name and what he would be called, Emmanuel, God with 
us. That is the answer to our heart's longing to every one of us in this room. Matthew 1, 23, behold, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. As that story unfolds, this Christmas story that we all know so well, when the angel appeared to the shepherds to announce this birth that we're talking about in Luke chapter two, this was the message that the angel had for them. Do not be afraid. So remember that in your brain for this morning's message. Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That's what the angel declared to the shepherds. And as you guys know the story, they said, let's go and find this child that has been born. But we know Jesus came, the father's perfect love, acceptance and forgiveness in human form, saving us from sin and death and from the works of the devil as 1 John 3, 8 says. His birth was was a baby, was God in the flesh. I almost said it was baby Jesus in the flesh, and then I was going to pray from the movie, and I didn't want to do that. Dear baby Jesus, we were going to get off track, but we're going to stay on track. So, one of my favorite teachers says of this that I'm unpacking for you today, says this, Jesus is not part of what the Father has to say, or even the main thing that the Father has to say. As the one and only Word of God, John 1.1, Jesus is the total content of the Father's revelation to us. The revelation of God in his Son should never be regarded as one revelation among others. He is rather the revelation that culminates and surpasses all previous revelations. What does that mean? It means that for a long, 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 long time, we did not know what God was like. But when Jesus appeared, God in the flesh, we now have the ability to look at Jesus and know what God is like. Jesus is the full and complete and perfect revelation of the Father that we can see and know and believe. So this is important as we look at Christmas. What does this mean for us? Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to reveal the Father. Not a God far off, or far above us, but God with us. This is really, when I think about it, I believe this is the absolute only way that we would ever understand what God was truly like, is if he stood before us and showed us with his life, with his death, with his resurrection. Otherwise, we would go on and on and on throughout history, projecting our fears and our distances and our performance and our rules and all of these different things on God, which we experience as people are struggling through history that's recorded in the Old Testament of people struggling to understand and know, God, what is your heart? What is it you desire for me? What are you like? But it is in the revelation of Jesus that we have the answer to those questions. Initially, we see this journey in the history of the Bible and the story that goes in Exodus 19 and 20. God was viewed as being far above. You probably can't read that, but if you can, you can follow along with me. So the backstory of this is the Israelites are coming out of 430 years of slavery in Egypt. And because of that slavery in Egypt, they lost much of their perspective, much of their reality of who God was and what God was like, what their God was and what their God was like. And they had all of this cultural stuff that they had imported into it. And so it it changed their entire reality. And they have this existing as slaves for 430 years affects their ability to understand who God is and what God is like. And so as God brings them out of slavery as a contextual backdrop and historical backdrop to this, God says, I, w- I want to introduce myself, reintroduce myself to my people. And so his, his idea is to bring them to a mountain and put on a radical light show, lightning and thunder and all kinds of other things to say, I, I, I want them to know who I am and what I'm like. And so he brings them out there. 
And then Moses goes up the mountain and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob. All of these people who have come out now of of Egypt, this is what you're to say to the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So mark that as well, that God's desire for the Israelites coming out of slavery was to bring them into uh, intimate, personal relationship with him where they would be a nation of priests and a set-apart nation. And through them, that he would bring about the redemption of all humanity and all humankind. And so that was his heart for them. And although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, an intermediary to go between me and the nations. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. So this invitation was given through Moses to the people for intimacy, to be representatives of him to all nations, and that they would be a people who are face-to-face with God, as Exodus 33, 11 mentions. And so God displayed his greatness before them on that mountain, and it, and it spoke to them that this is a God who is so high and far above us. And so the people came in Exodus 19. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, and everyone in the camp trembled. And then Moses led people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder to call the people near, Moses spoke and God answered him with thunder. So I don't know that God understood that this wasn't working, um, but this was their response as people who have been out of 430 years of, uh, in slavery, that they came, I'm, I'm teasing, God knows everything, I make jokes, all right, sheesh. Um, so, <laughs> Exodus 20 goes on in telling this story. When the people saw this thunder and this lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear, they stayed at a distance. Fear caused them to stay at a distance. What was the message that the angel brought? Do not be afraid. But it was fear that kept them at a distance from God. And although his heart was to make them into a people set apart for himself, they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. And and Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning, to keep you from departing from what he needs you to be. But the people, what did they do? Oh, thank you for telling us not to be afraid, right? Oh, just stop thinking about it. Don't be afraid. It doesn't work that well. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. And because they stayed at a distance, they ended up entering into a covenantal contract with God where Moses was the intermediary. And they they put God in a position of being far above them. And fear distanced them from God. And yet God chose not to settle as just a God high above us. He wanted to be a God with us. And that's the story of Jesus' birth, of how God went from a place where people were trying to replace relationship with him with intermediaries and with rules and with performances to saying, I want to be with you and I want you to be my people. And so in Jesus, God reintroduces himself, not with lightning and thunder and smoke and trumpets on a mountain, but with a child. No one is afraid of a baby. If there's someone else's and they're, yeah, (laughs) they're not scary at all. In Jesus, we meet the God who can be touched, who went from this God who was far above and to be feared to a God who was with us. In Matthew 17, it tells the story of another mountain, and I want to take you to this mountain. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration, and it's a parallel story to Mount Sinai, what I just explained. Forgive me for going through this so quickly, but I believe that this view of scripture is going to help you appreciate and have a more depth of understanding of what Christmas is all about. In Matthew 17, after six days, Jesus took with him, this was six days of 
uh, of praying and fasting and, 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 and traveling. And as you know, Jesus was moving and healing the sick and doing all of these different things of declaring the kingdom. And he took with him Peter and James and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. So he brought these guys away from the other disciples. And, and there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. This is like God. God just can't resist. Like, I, you know, he can't. He's, I got I to gotta find a mountain and I got to put on a light show. <laughs> his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. And just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Suddenly, Peter is succumbing to the same temptation of somehow I need to create a structure to distance myself from you because I am afraid of what's taking place. And rightfully so, rightfully so. And so as he is expressing this, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We've heard that before, but this is the addition. Listen to him. And what is it that they're to listen to? When the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and he touched them. And he said, get up. Don't be afraid. This was the message and the reality that God was bringing into us, our lives and our reality to step in and say, do not distance yourself from me. Do not be afraid. And once again, as people cower and tear at the sight of God, unlike the Old Testament story on Mount Sinai, that same God was there in physical form to be able to reach out to them and touch them and say, Emmanuel, God with us in our fear, God with us when we're terrified, do not be afraid. I am here with you. This is what Jesus has done for us. He approached us. He reached out to us. He touched our lives. Emmanuel, God with us, don't be afraid of me. And in this moment on the mountain, Jesus is reaffirming this invitation that he gave and was rejected in Exodus 19.6. The later in the New Testament, the Spirit of God speaks over this moment and speaks over those who believe to invite them into a different covenant with Jesus that brings them out of fear and distance and separation and brings them into relationship with him. And then this full circle moment, 1 Peter 2, 9, of those who had stepped in and believed Jesus and set themselves apart, this is what is spoken over them. And remember the invitation from Exodus 19 that was rejected by the people. He spoke this, that, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That is what is spoken by the Spirit of God over us as we believe and follow Jesus, that those who rejected the invitation to be a priesthood and a nation that were go-betweens, that were mediaries between man and God to call them home, and they said, we are a of you, we reject that and we want to put people and we want to put performance and lists and behaviors in between us to buffer us. We again are then invited into it through Jesus and we are called that royal priesthood, that holy nation that we know God has been after and desiring throughout history. To not be a God far above, but to be a God with us, but to take it even further than that, to be a God who fills us, a God within. He is always the God of more. Christmas isn't about God coming to pull us out. It wasn't a rescue mission. It was a redemption mission. He came to fill us, to heal us, to redeem us, to restore us, and then to move out as restorative operatives of his kingdom that we would be able to carry the power of redemption and the story of reconciliation everywhere that we go. Not because we are so great, but because of who fills us and overflows out of our life. He did not come to rescue, but to empower. And this is the gift that we carry through Christ this Christmas season. God, was, God gave us his spirit and poured his spirit out upon of, on us so that we could be his touch for his creation right here and right now. 
1 Corinthians 12, 27. We've been talking about this the last few weeks. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Paul's language in 1 Corinthians that he speaks of us being the body of Christ, it wasn't a metaphor, but it was a statement of fact. When we touch people in this world, when we touch this world around us, when we reach out to this world around us, we are to be the body of Christ so that it is as if Christ is living through us, impacting and affecting and reaching for the lost, for those he loves, for his sons and daughters, and bringing that redemption power, the redemption story that we're celebrating in Christmas to everyone around us. John 7, 38 says this. This is Jesus' teaching. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within you. And by this, scripture says, by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. It wasn't enough for God to say, I will be a God far above you, separated from you by a covenant and rules and commandments. So he found a way to enter into the story that he could be Emmanuel, God with us. But was that enough? Did he just want us to know him? It wasn't enough. He came to say, this is who I am so that I am could fill us to send us out into the world to be God with us, but also God within us, reaching through us. Our reality, our lives are to make him known for those around us who need to have a revelation of the Father, to have a revelation of his love, to, be, to have access to the reality of him reaching into their life or speaking truth into their life. Who is going to do that except his body? And who is gonna do that except those of us who carry this Christmas story and this Christmas reality all year long? As I have... Um, been looking at Christmas and this Christmas message, and I love to teach this message so that we can understand the progression of how God went from far above to with us to within us, that that would be the story that each one of us carries. But as we get, begin this Christmas series and we're talking about this, one of the things that I've asked us as we are teaching and as we're putting these Sunday gatherings together for you is to bring something to the forefront that we can um, focus on throughout the week. And as I was praying about that, okay, God, in light of what you're revealing, in light of what scripture tells us, in light of the story that we are walking in, what is something that you would have us focus on this week as Emmanuel? You are God with us. You are God within us. What is it? And as I'm praying through it and considering it, the thing that stuck out to me and just to emphasize with you this morning and to spend some time in ministry and in communion and in reflection is that he is our foundation in the storm. And I was saying with, with Drew the other night, and if, if you guys came through here, uh, even like yesterday at this time, you know this place was, was crazy full of amazing things. And we had our Christmas market. And how many of you guys came out for the Christmas market or saw the Christmas market? Okay, so, so we were in here setting up the other day and, and Drew was like, hey, how's it going? How you doing? And I was like, oh, doing good, man. It's Christmas time, right? Everybody's, everybody's feeling good. They're all in a good mood. And he was like, really? And I was like, well, no, I mean, not really. It's pretty painful this time of year. I, I mean, I guess people are like, they're carrying a lot of things, but still, it's Christmas, so people should be smiling more, and they're, they're, in the, they're, they're kind of in a good mood, and there's, there's, you know, you're not focusing on those negative things, and then we both stopped, and we're like, yeah, no, that's not true either, is it? Like, we're, the, Christmas has this beautiful ability to make us simultaneously deeply thankful and joy-filled and have that wonder of a child while also giving us a perspective to look across our lives and, and take account for things and go, man, this is really hard. Maybe something you're currently walking through or something that has happened to you or to your family or in your story or in your marriage. And Christmas of all the times just brings up that stark contrast where normally throughout the days or the weeks when it's normal, you can kind of just get by. But at Christmas time, when it's time for everyone to be happy and filled with joy and we're all gonna get together, those relationships, those strains, those hurts, those burdens, those cares, those fears, whatever it might be, those begin to rear their head. And it's an intensity in a season that I believe that Jesus wants to meet us in 
as we focus our hearts on the reality of this story that I just told you, but not just believing that story, but actually embodying that story and bringing it in and saying, Jesus, how do you want to show up through me and in me in this season? And the thing that he was sharing with me, that he was talking with me about and as I was praying and preparing for this message was this simple reality is that Emmanuel, that God, you are with me in the pain. You are with me in the things that have been shaken. You are with me in the grief. You are with me in all of this. That is what Emmanuel means, that you are with me in all of this and that that reality would become the foundation or would remain the foundation of my life and would remain the foundation of your life. That Emmanuel, God with us in the storm, not just as he appears walking through the storm on the water, not just as he's sleeping in the boat to wake up and calm the storm, but the reality of us being able to ask ourselves the question, is Jesus somebody that I call to when the storm hits or is Jesus somebody that I've built my life on as a foundation so that when the storm comes, I will not crumble? And the difference between an anchor, Jesus is my anchor. Now hope is your anchor, but if you wanna say a metaphor, Jesus is my anchor. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a boat that's anchored in a storm. It goes for a wild ride and it might be anchored, but there's quite a ride that's happening. And I know it's great that we would say, my hope is anchored to Jesus. Uh, Amen, I am there for that. But I would love for us to go from people who are anchored in Jesus to also going, what does it look like to build my entire life on the foundation of Jesus? When I'm anchored, I'm gonna feel the storm and I'm gonna be tied in, but I'm gonna feel the storm so much more. And when I have this place of being founded, I'm still gonna experience the storm. I'm still gonna experience it. But at the end of the day, I'm gonna have this reality that my life is built and is holding through because it's built on Jesus. So our focus for this week, our reflection for this week in this Christmas season is God with us, our foundation in the storm. (laughs) Matthew 7 says this, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, Jesus said, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. This Christmas, you and I need to ask to make sure, is the foundation of my life built on Jesus and is everything that I'm building being built with him at the center of it. Storms come. And this is the hard reality that I have to stand up here in that that tension of knowing that I can't just say to you, man, if 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 you would learn to build your life on Jesus, he would put you above all the storms. Wouldn't that be rad? We would take some good offerings. (laughs) 10 steps on how to build your life on the foundation of Jesus so that you are above the storms when they come. When Jesus teaches us this, he's not like if, he's not like maybe the storms. If you build your life on me and what I am teaching you when the storms come, And that's really the testimony of my life as I'm standing here after what we have walked through is it's a messy testimony. It's an incomplete testimony. It's not a fancy testimony, but it is this. I have seen with my own eyes the reality of life's storm coming and taking out every single thing that is not founded on Jesus. The stuff that was shaken, the stuff that I hold now in intention and doubt, the stuff that I am struggling with, the things that are the hardest in my journey and in my story and in my family and in how we're walking this out, these are the things where I have built them 
off of the truth of who Jesus is, who Jesus is to me, who Jesus sees me as, and who he's calling me to be as a son. And anything that I built outside of that as we've walked through this last year has gotten torn away or has been deeply shaken and rattled. But the testimony is this, the truth of Matthew 7 is that everything that I built and put my life into that was of eternal value that was built on Jesus it wasn't that it didn't get pummeled by the storm or isn't getting pummeled by the storm. But it's remaining founded in him. And as the storm passes, that house remains. I want you to hear this and I don't want you to hear performance when I say this to you. And maybe we have the worship team come up for, at this time. Jesus doesn't just want you to be, he doesn't, he doesn't just want to be the foundation of your life. And then you build things that are on him that aren't of eternal value and eternal weight so that when the storm comes, it all gets wiped off and you're like, well, I still got the foundation of Jesus. I'll just rebuild again. Like we're keep building these straw huts on Jesus. And I'm not, I'm not talking about performance, but I'm saying from Jesus's teaching on this is that he wants to show us how to build a life on the foundation of Jesus, that we are building something that withstands the storm. Does that make sense? Do you understand the difference to some degree? Like this is what I believe that he is speaking to us is to look hard at our life and ask these two questions. Is everything that I'm building in my life founded on Jesus? And is everything that I'm building on that foundation of Jesus something that he's asking me to build or am I building my own way, my own plans, my own stuff. Because if you're like me, when the storm hits, and I'll be the first one to admit it, everything that I built my way, for my glory, for my purposes, for my ideas, that was the first stuff that got whipped away from this house as soon as the, the wind hit. But the things that I built that he spoke into my life as a son and as a man, and the things that I said, I'm gonna build my life, my marriage, my children, Everything that I am, I'm gonna build on that, what you spoke to me, what you shared with me, what you taught me, I'm gonna build on that. Those are the things that are still there after and in the midst of this storm that I'm currently in and that we're currently in. And I know that you in this room are facing your own storms. And I wish with all of my heart, again, I wish with all of my heart that I could say like, hey, this storm hit my, my life and my family because I didn't do this because of this, because of that. And, the storms you're facing, it's because you're doing this wrong. It's because you didn't do this because of that. Because why? Because then I could have something to point it to and say, it happened because of that. But when there isn't that scapegoat, when there isn't that reality, and you just say, I don't know. I don't know why you're walking through what you're walking through this morning. I don't know why the storm has come into your life at this time in this way or what is going on. And maybe some of it, you're, you're wise enough to go, oh, no, no, Ryan. Like, I can actually see this is because of this. Well, that's fine. But I'm talking about those things. We can't quantify them. We can't figure them out. We can't make them go away by saying, oh, it was because of this, this, and this. Storms will come. And Jesus' promise in Matthew 7 and his invitation for us, for whatever you're walking through today, whatever you're facing, whatever you're encountering, whatever you're struggling with, Jesus wants to reveal himself as Emmanuel, God with us in the storm. But I believe this, this Christmas season, he wants to take it to a different spot where he says, I am Emmanuel, your foundation in the storm. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to take a few minutes in response to this Christmas story, this beautiful, beautiful journey that God took from rescuing his people with a desire in his heart to be face to face with them. 
and having that rejected and fall apart and watch for hundreds of years as they walked away and rebelled and did their own thing, but he didn't settle to just be this God at a distance, but that he came to be Emmanuel, to be God with us, to pursue us, to pursue you, to continue that journey of I want you to know who I am, but to take it even further to be God within us. And as we reflect on that story this week, this month, this morning, I want our reflection to begin with what does it look like for Jesus to be Emmanuel, our foundation in the storm? So as we take these next few minutes, I'm gonna pray for you and we're gonna take a few minutes here as Nisha continues to lead us in worship and we have communion available. We have people available that would love to pray with you. We have communion available if you would like to take it individually or as a family or however that looks. But I want you to take it with this question in this prayerful time. Is Jesus the foundation of my life? And a step further is everything that I'm building on that foundation sourced in him. And I pray that you would have revelation Jesus, I just ask that you give us revelation right now of the difference of that. It's one thing to believe you or to believe in you. It's a completely different thing to believe you. And that we would take you at your word and we would seek your face. And we would believe that when you promise us, if we follow your ways and we follow your life and we follow your sacrifice and we follow your teachings, that we are building a life on you, a foundation that will not be shaken. And we can build based on what you are giving us to build, what you are speaking to us to build, how you are teaching us to build. We can build a life that is not going to miss the storms. But the things that remain after the storm will be things of eternal value. Because we believe you. Meet us, Jesus, in these next few minutes. Meet us over these next few weeks. That you are not a God who was content to be far away from us, but you came near to us that you could fill us and that in overflowing, you could send us out. For these next few minutes, would you search our hearts? I thank you that you don't come. When we invite you to come, that you don't come with a ruler to measure us. You don't come with a rod to punish us. You come with empty hands to hold us. You come with hands revealing the scars of the price that you paid to redeem us. But you come to us as we invite you. You come empty-handed to embrace us. And so if there's places in us where we still have that fear, oh man, of God, if I ask these questions, you're just gonna show me how I'm failing, how I'm not building my life right, how my foundation's all screwed up and blah, blah, blah. That's fear. And I know that you reach out and you put your hands on us and our shoulders and you look into our eyes and say, do not be afraid of me. Do not be afraid of me. I come to redeem, I come to restore, I come to make right. And if our foundations need to be shifted, what better time than today? What better moment than now? And if the things that we're building need to be shifted, what better moment than now? What better moment than today? So Jesus, we thank you that you're in this room with us and that you're leading us and guiding us, that you're speaking to hearts. As we take communion, as we have time in prayer, as we have time in worship, would you meet us powerfully and directly and lead us forward as people who would say, Emmanuel, my foundation in the storm. Go ahead and enjoy these next few minutes, engage these next few minutes in worship and communion and however you need to respond, we invite you to do that.
what you love can grow. Grow.
Jesus for what you're doing all around this room and online today that you're rooting us back into places of trust deep deep trust in you in every season that we're facing and every season we walk through we remember Emmanuel God is with us he's here I just thank you for the message Jesus that you're bringing today to us through Ryan's words, through your Holy Spirit. Would you just continue, Holy Spirit, to work in us this week that we'd be moved to build our lives on you in every place that it hasn't been, that you'd be that foundation for us, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you for this sweet time in your presence, God. Let it just continue as we connect the rest of today. Amen. Well, it's 11.30, y'all, so if you're still having a moment with Jesus, um, just feel free to finish up communion in here and go grab your kiddos. Merry Christmas. Have a wonderful day.